Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In our Gospel reading this morning, we are presented with a choice of who we will serve, God or mammon. And in our epistle, we're also presented with a choice of what way we will walk in. Will we walk in the spirit or will we walk in the flesh? In both readings, it's made very clear to us that it is quite impossible to do both at the same time. We have to choose. It's going to be one or the other. This is the first point that we need to really come to grips with. It's not all that complicated. And yet, I think we would all admit that we have a very hard time accepting this. We don't have a hard time accepting natural law, you know, gravity. We can accept that pretty well. But we have a really hard time accepting that we cannot walk in the spirit and the flesh at the same time. That we cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. We actually think that we can do that when Christ tells us explicitly that we cannot. There is this deep-rooted sinful tendency in all of us to rationalize, to mitigate the severity of truth, to deny the absolute nature of the truth. Now we've heard a thousand times, you've heard a thousand times, ten thousand times in this very room, for me, how we live in this relativistic age where there is no belief in such a thing as absolute truth. And that's true, we do live in a relativistic age. But relativism is not a modern problem. This has always been the problem of sinful man. Fallen man has always had a difficult time accepting and living according to uncompromising truth. The difference in our day is that now there's just this outright denial of the existence of truth at all. In the past, mankind maybe struggled with his inconsistency of what he professed with how he lived. Of course, he was ashamed of this. In our age, he's just given up altogether, just modified the idea of truth so that he can be at peace with his inconsistent behavior, and it's no longer inconsistent. Maybe this relieves the conscience for now, maybe a little bit, but in the end, it will send man to hell. It's not a very forward-thinking strategy for making yourself feel better in this life. I often draw attention to this particular subject for the simple reason that I can't not draw attention to it because it just shows up in the scriptures everywhere. So if I'm going to preach the scriptures, I have to talk about this a lot. And that's how I happen to know it's not a modern problem. Some of the harshest scriptural passages are hyperbolically harsh to make it crystal clear to us that if we think that we can live contrary to the truth, which is a who, not a what, if we think that we can live contrary to God himself and 
yet enter the kingdom of God, we're going to be in for a very rude awakening. I think immediately of that parable of the wedding feast. You remember that one? The fellow shows up and he's not properly attired. Now, he's not simply told to just go change clothes, no. He's cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth because he didn't have the right bow tie on or whatever, his right robe. Seems a little harsh to us. But the message is clear. It's a hyperbolic message. And it needs to be made very, very clear to us because we have such a hard time accepting this. That's the whole point. The truth is a matter of reality and it is unbendable. Now those of us who know God personally, know that God who hangs there on that cross, we understand full well that when he speaks to us in this way, he's not being a killjoy or mean or vindictive. He's trying to save us from lies and deceit, things that will lead us away from him and away from the joy of life. He's trying to warn us. He's trying to speak to us, even if sometimes he has to speak to us in rather harsh, brutal ways. Now, when it comes to our choice between walking in the spirit or the flesh, and our choice between serving God or mammon, notice that both St. Paul and our Lord Jesus put the emphasis on the positive. They basically say, if you do the right thing, if you concentrate and focus on doing the right thing, then you just categorically will not do the wrong thing because you can't do both at the same time. This gives us, the way they put this, this gives us the feeling, the sense that the spiritual life, life in Christ, that life that God calls us to, is positive and upbeat. It's not a downer. It's not a negative. If we find our spiritual life our life in Christ full of negativity and despondency if we're weighed down with confusion and anxiety and guilt and shame and just oppression. If we find it oppression, you can rest assured you are doing something wrong. It's not meant to be oppressive. We talk about this when we talk about how we approach the confessional and confession. When we come to confession... Yes, there are tears, there is compunction, there is godly sorrow, but there's not oppression. There's not shame. There's a sense of relief and joy even through the tears. St. Paul says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The emphasis is on walking in the Spirit. Now, let me just add here, that this does not mean that there is no place in the scriptures or in our teaching or in the Christian life that there is no place for talking about the need to crucify the flesh. He also talks about that in this same passage. Crucifying the flesh through mortification. You may get a very different emphasis in another passage. But right here in this particular verse, we can draw from Paul, we can take away from what Paul says and how he says it, that the virtuous, holy, spiritual life is a very positive and upbeat endeavor. And that is the way that we should be feeling it and approaching it and encountering it. It is upbeat. It is positive. 
Now, after he lists the works of the flesh, which is not so positive, you read those and you're like, boy, that's nasty. I mean, who wants to be enslaved to all of that? Then he lists, after he lists those, he lists what life looks like for the one who is walking in the Spirit. And his description of one who is walking in the Spirit is just perfectly lovely. Love, joy, peace. That's how he begins. St. Paul sounds like the original hippie. He really does. I know what you're thinking. He worked hard. He was responsible. But no, he was really the first hippie while being responsible. That's the whole point of my message today. Love, joy, peace, man. <laughs> that really is Christianity. It really is. He goes on to list some other fruits of the Spirit which have more behavioral aspects. But at the top of the list, love, joy, peace. Being in the Spirit means you're enraptured. You're at peace. There is interior calm, inner joy. This is the first and most important mark of the Spirit. Not that you are not a fornicator. He does say that too in here, by the way. Now, I just to be clear, I want to be clear. I assure you that if someone is a fornicator and they think that they are happy, they are not in the Spirit. They are not in the Spirit. They are deceived. Our Gospel message is very similar. Jesus draws the line in the sand between God and mammon. You can only serve one, not both. You're going to be the slave of God and serve him, or you're going to be enslaved basically to temporal things and the lust of the flesh. Jesus emphasizes serving God, just like Paul emphasized walking in the Spirit. Jesus focuses his message on serving God. If you serve God, you won't serve mammon. Same thing as when he said the entire law and prophets is summed up in love God and love your neighbor. If you do that, then you fulfilled everything. It's like St. Augustine says, love God and do what you want. So Jesus emphasizes serving God, the positive. If you focus on this, you won't be entrapped. It's a positive, not negative teaching and message. And he's, he goes on in this particular passage. His teaching gets just blithesome. From there, it is the most delightful passage in the whole Sermon of the Mount. <clears throat> Basically, he's like, what are you worried about? Why are you so worried? Why are you so worried? You don't need to worry. You don't need to fret. You don't need to be anxious. You're to be confident and happy and assured. You really don't need to spend your energy fretting about this and that, your daily temporal needs. Now to many of us, I'm not going to call any names, to many of us, this can sound irresponsible. Some folks interpret worry as being responsible. Now some people that don't worry are irresponsible. There is such a thing as irresponsibility. If you don't work, you're not supposed to eat. 
But you can work and you can be responsible and not fret and worry and wring your hands and give undue mental and emotional attention to all of these things that just really don't matter. They're going to burn at the end of time. With everything that doesn't remain, they'll burn too. And all the worry and the fretting and the thought and the wringing of the hands that we pour into these things, it just steals away the energy and the time that we could be delighting in the things of God and the kingdom of God. If we're consumed with all of this, we'll miss the kingdom. This is not a suggestion from our Lord. This is very serious. Choose the kingdom, not this world which is going to burn by fire. And if we allow ourselves to get overcome with worldly concerns, we will miss the kingdom of God. Now, we need to be especially careful and alert and aware because so often we assign a faux spiritual tag to what is really a worldly concern. We do this all the time. I had someone that I chatted with this week that was faced with a big decision. And they were just wringing their hands and so worried and so concerned. And after about a 30-second conversation, it became explicitly clear to the person that the thing that they were so worried about didn't matter at all. It had nothing to do with anything. And like that, poof, all the anxiety and the worry went away. Clarity came to their mind. They knew what they needed to do. And it was all for naught. They could have swam around in that for days, if not weeks, if they weren't careful. We think all of these things are so important. And in fact, they are not. They're really more often than not just a diversion from what really matters. So when you're fretting and struggling, you've got to go through this process of really thinking through if what you're so worried about is really all that important. You'll know you've hit the mark. You'll know you're in the spirit when clarity comes. doesn't mean it's always easy to do the right thing, but clarity comes. And you have clarity and you know what you need to do. Back to this sermon that Jesus is giving on the mount. The remarkable thing about this passage is, as I said, how utterly blithesome it is when you just take it at face value. Like I said, St. Paul's the first hippie. And Jesus here is saying, you don't need to worry about anything. I know you're thinking, but, 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 but. Please, just take the passage at face value for a minute. Just take it at face value for a minute. All you responsible people out there, which is all of our wives. The husbands don't have any problem with this because we're so irresponsible. It's the women who take care of everything, don't they? God exists in perfect joy, in glorious light, without a hint of shadow, without a hint of anything negative. And he's saying to you, if you're tight with him, you know, good friends with him. And if you're living out and fulfilling the very essence of your existence, of why he made you, you are 
sharing in this blissful joy, this peace. And you don't have to do anything. It's all yours. You can have it for free. Isn't that great? Isn't that marvelous? Now, all you have to do, here's a little bit of frying print, you just, you can have it for free, and it's all yours, this great life of peace and joy, happiness and love, you just have to embrace the cross of Christ, crucify your flesh and its passions, and then you're free, completely free, to enjoy the delights of the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.